Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Kalupa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobac. Kylian Mbappe wraps it up. French football is back. And I am delighted to say Le Bourge podcast is back as well. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome on board. I am delighted to say we're back for another season. I'm also extremely happy to say we're back in the uh, exquisite studio that is Robbie's flat. We are all socially distancing, of course, but it's nice to be around the same table, guys. I've got top pundits uh, with me today, including... Uh, Robbie himself. Hi, Robbie. Matthew, Armel, pleasure to be here. Great uh, to have you back. Welcome. You're all very welcome to uh, talk French football in my lounge room. Well, yeah, that, that that's kind of you. I think your family has probably not missed us uh, that much, but it is good to be back. And as you said, Armel Tangi is is with us. How are you, Armel? Looking looking fresh. Thank you. I'm doing very well. Pleased to be. Uh, well, pleased to have Ligue 1 just around the corner again. It's been a, a challenging few months without uh, French football on our screens and in front of our eyes. Yes, uh, a challenging few months for, for an awful lot of people. And um, yeah, there are some serious things going on in the world. Lots of lots of suffering and uh, French football isn't the most important thing, but it is it is great to have it back. And it's great to have the distraction that has been in the last couple of weeks, two cup finals, two big cup finals, because... Just in case you missed all of the news, the uh, French league season was effectively cancelled. All the last 10 rounds were Paris Saint-Germain were crowned champions. But we have uh, finished, we have completed the two domestic cup competitions. We'll talk about those two finals with uh, Armel and Robbie. Two finals um, in which Paris Saint-Germain triumphed. And we're going to start with the Coupe de la Ligue final, which uh, took place at the Stade de France on Friday night in front of uh, close to 5,000 people, as is the, uh, the protocol now in France, we're allowed up to 5,000 people in the stadium. So there were some Lyon fans, there were some Paris Saint-Germain fans. Um, it was a game that was played in, in stifling heat, um, unbelievable temperatures in Paris on Friday. It was close to 40 degrees, possibly 40 degrees. And even actually when they kicked off at 10 past nine local time, it was still around about the 30 mark. That, I think, explained why it was played at a relatively slow pace. Robbie, I think that's that that's... That's fair to say. Plus, of course, the four-month break, the players are still getting back up to speed. Yeah, I think above all, it, it's probably that. Let's not forget, people were quite critical because it's a final and you expect a final to be fought tooth and nail and, and no quarter given or, or asked and all this sort of bra- bravado about, you know, and hyperbole about what, what a final is. But look, that was Leon's first competitive match in four months. Yep. I mean, that's not easy to come in. And it's not easy for these two clubs to be playing cup finals straight away, let alone Champions League football that we're going to see. But it also compares badly to other European leagues that we've seen have been back for two months. And when you're watching a Bayern Munich or a Juventus or, or English football playing these games after two months, they're, they're back. They're at full steam. Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon and Saint-Étienne, well, in Saint-Étienne's case, just coming up for one game for 90 minutes and then back to pre-season. It's not a, not an easy situation for these no. clubs. No, it's not easy. I mean, there have been some lousy matches in, in England and in, and in Germany that I've seen. Um, but uh, just for those uh, listening who maybe don't know exactly what happened, like I say, it was a slow pace, but there were chances. There were moments of quality. Um, it went to extra time. It was nil-nil. It finished nil-nil at the end of extra time. Um, I, was, I was very happy because I took a little break from, from commentary for, for six months. 
Um, and it was the first big game that I had to commentate for, for a long time. So very late on Friday evening, this is what happened uh, as we reached the climax in the penalty shootout. Here he is then, Neymar to try to bring PSG back to 5-5. And Neymar does. He's just crept inside the post. A very cool kick from a very cool footballer. Traore against Kaylor Navas. Short run from Traore. And Navas has saved it. Kaylor Navas with the first save of the shootout. Paris Saint-Germain on the brink of victory now. It's going to be Pablo Sarabia against Anthony Lopez. Sarabia to try to win it. Sarabia does win it! Paris Saint-Germain are Coupe de la Ligue kings. They have won the final edition, the 2020 edition. It's their ninth Coupe de la Ligue victory. Sarabia slotting it left-footed. They win the shootout by six goals to five and they have completed the domestic treble. Well, Matt, I think uh, first game back in six months, you don't sound too rusty uh, there. So how did you find it? Was it hard to get up to rhythm in the, in the pre-match? Yes. To, were, you, yeah. were you sweating at kickoff? No, I, I was quite excited. It was one of those where, you know, I, a cup final, you always do quite a lot of prep. I think because I've been out for a while, I've, uh, you know, maybe I, I maybe over-prepped myself. And, you know, the first 10 minutes, you're, you're kind of talking too much, giving, giving too many stats and, and what have you. But I think... You know, I think I settled and I think all in all, it was a decent performance from me. But, you know, let, let, oh, man, let's talk about the players. It's mm. perhaps, you know, more what the, our listeners are, are interested in. Um, I'll, I'll start, if I can, with Leon's number one. It was only in there. Uh, it would have been a completely different game, wouldn't it, if, if uh, Tatarasanu, who was supposed to play the big Romanian goalkeeper, hadn't hurt his back just beforehand. It probably wouldn't have gone to penalties because Lopez was on fire. Yeah, he was strong. Amazing saves from Di Maria in the second half, and uh, there was one in the first half. Neymar's header and from Neymar's header as well. Gay long range shot. It's 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 a strange one. I have to admit, when I read um, what Rudy Garcia said the 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 night before, it was the one thing he could say. Rudy Garcia, he said, "Well, there's only one thing I can tell you about tomorrow's game, and that's Tadarasano." We'll, we'll play. We'll play. And I find that hard to kind of understand. I know it's important, like, you know, you've got your second choice goalkeeper playing in the cups, but it's a, you know, it's a one off game like that. Surely you and play then you your to best win goalkeeper. You need to go to Europe as well. Clearly. You need to win. Surely. Yeah. Well, I know, but we, we perhaps don't understand the full importance of having a happy squad. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, we won't go into the whole why did they buy Tatarasano? Because when they bought him, he said, I've come here to be number one. And everybody knew that Anthony Lopez w- was going to stay number one. But, mm. but Armel, you're right. I mean, Lopez had a, had a strong game, probably, or definitely had more to do than Kaylor Navas. But Leon had their moments as well. And they, they could have nicked it. And, and I think all in all, um, you know, I was saying it in the commentary, Leon would have taken penalties beforehand. So ultimately, mm. they could be satisfied with taking PSG to penalties. Yes, but of course in terms of European qualification. And I think just losing a cup final for Lyon, who have lost quite a few Coupe de la Ligue finals now, this one being the, the final one, they'll never get to put that right. But it, I think it will only serve as more of a, a moral blow than, than, than perhaps an encouraging game. 
Rudy Garcia will no doubt tell them that they should be encouraged by the fact they took PSG all the way to penalties without conceding. Not many teams can say that, as we saw in PSG's preseason. But um, it's going to be a blow for Leon, isn't it? It's something of a re- rebuild. Well, they still have opinion. a chance. Well, I they- think though. I think that's a, a yeah. The blow to miss out on Europe via the domestic channel is a blow. But I think they'll be quite happy with well, Rudy Garcia looking ahead to the Juventus game. How many goals do they need to score against Juve to go through? None. None. Mm. So they took PSG to penalties. They didn't concede. Mm. PSG had, as we said, a couple of long-distance chances and perhaps had the better chances overall. But Leon didn't concede against against Di Maria, Neymar, Riccardi. You know, I think that's that's positive. Robbie, PSG were a long way from their best. Thomas Tuchel after the game got a bit tetchy. And and I I actually understand that because, I, I mean, I saw the press conference, a journalist saying... Oh, uh, you've now played uh, two matches. Uh, you've played what was it, two hundred, two hundred and ten minutes, minutes one, goal. one goal scored, and you know they've won two cups. So to be mm. for the journalists to be really angling that in a negative way, Thomas Tuchel got quite upset and said, "Oh, okay, you can write about how lucky we are, and uh, you know, don't write about the fact that we were solid and we didn't concede a goal." And yeah, or but, the fact that that's four trophies out of four now, and they're into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and that's mm. just their second match after a four-month break, which no one has ever experienced such a long break in professional football before. Yeah, I think it's, it's understandable, the coach's reaction. But I think, it's, is it a sign that, the co- that this is starting to get to the coach, this negativity, that this perceived persecution complex that Paris Saint-Germain have? I mean, they've got, they've got a, a, quite a public battle running with the, the local sports paper, L'Equipe, where they feel that L'Equipe are often... Trying, yeah. to, trying to downplay them and look for the, the 1%. The coach said 99% of things can be going well, but yeah. you will always look. And it's, it's not Le Kip in this occasion. It was a different newspaper, the Paris local newspaper. Yeah. But the fact that you will look for that 1% and you will make your story on the 1%. I mean, that's pretty much what newspapers do all over the world, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's part and parcel of, of being a Paris Saint-Germain manager now. Uh, we know uh, we work in football and, you know, when the players say... It's not easy for Paris Saint-Germain to win the league. Um, I can understand where they're coming from because it's not. It, yes, they are a cut above everybody else, but it's a, you know, you're playing every three days. You've got to keep it going. And it, it doesn't happen just like that. So I can understand the frustration, but I think it's just part and parcel you have to accept mm. as a Paris Saint-Germain manager. But just to talk about their performance, because it was um, you know, far from vintage. I think if we're looking at positives, Verratti, exceptional, I thought, particularly in the first half, just absolutely brilliant. And people had been asking questions about whether, you know, is his place under threat? We've seen Paredes um, play in the Coupe de France final. He played quite a bit before the, um, the pandemic as well. Um, but, I mean, Marco Verratti is a, is a wonderful footballer. Class. And Paris Saint-Germain, yeah, I think we all agree. In- They're a better team with, a, with Marco Verratti in it. Well, Paredes is a good player. But, yeah, Marco Verratti, we're talking about one of the best midfielders in the world. And everyone, I mean, I was listening to the commentary. I, I couldn't get to the, into the stadium because of the limited numbers um, of people allowed in. Uh, on Friday night, so I was watching at home, and the commentator said, "Oh, Marco Verratti, um, the local French commentator, Marco Verratti. You know, we expected so much from him when he arrived here, and and look, eight years on, and he hasn't really lived up <laughs> to it, has it?" And no, I was like, thinking, "My God, we this I, is Marco. This is the best midfielder I, in I, France. One of the best, probably four or five. But everyone thinks if you don't play." 
for Barcelona or All Real Madrid. I would say, Rob, is that Marco Verratti was phenomenal six, seven years ago. You look, at, you look at the well, Marco Verratti now. Man. Okay, he was, he he was phenomenal. phenomenal. I think he was just below world class. And you look at the Marco Verratti now and you wonder, is he a better player than he was six or seven years ago? Absolutely. And, and the critics, okay. 100%. And the critics are regarding his fitness, his ability to cover the ground because uh, there are reports that I cannot um you know say a, a, verify. a, a, a yeah. verify thank vouch you for. <laughs> vouch for but you know his hygiene uh, de vie his lifestyle isn't perhaps as good as it should be but he's yeah I, no, I, it's no just one comment go Armel. I, I just from the pre-season games i saw for psg playing where they scored more goals and it will be really important for their game in lisbon against atalanta there's a relationship between marco verratti and pablo sarabia in terms of spatial understanding and verratti's quality playing the ball forward which could be really important in that game. It's true. We saw a couple of fantastic mm. assists oh, from yeah. for, for Pablo Sarabia. Mm. My, a, a couple of things. I know we're going to talk about the Coupe de France final as well, but after that Coupe de France final, in the post-match press conference, Thomas Tuchel said, this was the first time ever I had Leandro Paredes and Marco Verratti both available, both fully fit, and I chose to start Leandro Paredes against mm. Saint-Étienne. And that... It was a strange answer. It was so pointed. I think he was really trying to touch a nerve with Marco Verratti because he knew he was going to play him against Leon, which was probably a, a, a tougher job for in, in midfield against, against Bruno Gomares, against or Kakare in the end it turned out to be, but against a Leon side that pressed hard. And I think Marco Verratti, as you said, Matt, in that first half just came out and was, it was just stupendous. I, th- I think the most controversial selection was unquestionably the fact that Robbie wasn't allowed in- into the Stade de France. I heard it was between you and Chupo Moting in the end and, and Tuchel, he-, he said, exactly. no, he we, need- we need Chupo on the bench. Yeah, exactly. so, so hard luck, Robbie, but I'm, I'm sure you'll be there for the, for the next one. I understand you're-, you're going to Lisbon as well, all things being well, so that- you've got that exactly. to look That's forward okay. to. Yeah. To get into the stadium or just flying? <laughs> Hopefully to get <laughs> into the stadium, but there again, numbers are, are yeah. very tight yeah. as well. Fellas, we're, we're, we're talking about Marco Verratti. Let's hear what he thought after the game about PSG's performance. Uh, Marco Verratti um, spoke immediately after the final whistle, as did the Leon coach, Rudy Garcia. So let, let's hear from both of them now. Of course, we're very happy. We're happy with this game. It was always going to be difficult. It's a final against a good team. But to win it in the way that we did, having to suffer like that, it's very difficult, especially having stopped for, for four months. We really had to dig deep. And it's nice, it's pretty to win this trophy. We're happy, we'll have a little party and then we'll think about the next game. We've got three games left that are all finals. We've won two already, now we need to win the next one. It is infuriating, but it shows that we played a good game. We pushed PSG onto the back foot at times. I thought we could have done a bit better in the second half before extra time. It was decided by a technical exercise where PSG were better than us. It's, it's a shame that the final was decided by penalties. It's a shame we weren't capable of scoring before. Now there's nothing else to say apart from we need to recover and get ready for the Champions League. Well, Rudy, they're talking about 
the preparation for, for the Champions League. I think both sides, while they wouldn't admit it, and both coaches said in the pre-match press conference that this, this cup final between Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain is not just a glorified dress rehearsal for Juventus and then Atalanta and perhaps a, a quarter-final for, for Lyon as well. This game is a cup final that deserves that respect, which I think is right. And I think you have to... There's no point preparing for a match after the match you're going to play in the next 24 hours. However, as soon as the match was finished, and I think somewhere in the back of the mind, they were looking to gauge, if not, if not tactically, if not the, way, the structure of the way they were playing, at least in terms of getting another 90 minutes under their, under their belt, that physically, that would have been very, very difficult for Olympic Lyonnais to play 120 minutes in your first game back. They played a number of friendly matches, more than Paris Saint-Germain. They were the first side back to pre-season, two weeks before Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain, which I've been following very closely, as you know, no player had played more than 60 minutes before the game against Saint-Étienne. So that gives you an idea of physically what was asked of the players against Saint-Étienne and how they weren't ready. And in terms of Paris Saint-Germain, they took an idea of trying to go easily on the players to build them up, not push them too hard, not like Claude Puel, who pushed his side very hard to get ready for, for their cup final. They didn't want any injuries. They've picked up a few injuries now, although it looks like nothing too serious, hopefully, for Marquinhos and Thiago Silva came off um, against Lyon. There was Kozawa and Kozawa as well. But, looks yeah. a little bit more serious, mm. I think, um, but no, no word yet, no official word. And we know Killian, that, well, that was just a, a, a badly timed tackle, or not even a badly timed tackle. It's just that Killian is so fast that he yeah. makes yeah, good yeah. tackles look badly mm. timed. Um, and I think... If you look at it that in that respect, Paris Saint-Germain will be better for these two games. And even if they're not 100% against Atalanta, I think you can almost treat this a little bit like a, a World Cup. You know, you're not firing on all cylinders in the first game. You, Paris Saint-Germain have this, what they hope is five games coming up now. It's seven to win a World Cup. They have five games in a month. They started with Saint-Étienne and Lyon. They go, they've won them both, so they're going to edge through the group stage. Now comes the first knockout match against Atalanta, and I think you'll see Paris Saint-Germain better. And I think that's the mentality of Thomas Tuchel and his, and his coaching staff. The most, the most important was to come through, go to Lisbon with two trophies in the bag, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly. And, and you can say what you want about the performance. Maybe question marks about not being able to score more against a Saint-Étienne team that went down to t- 10 men in the first half. But the trophies are there. And, um, and yeah. that's the confidence there, Jesse booster. Moulin was also exceptional in, for Saint-Étienne mm. in that match. It could easily have been four, four or five. And maybe the coach said as well after, in the press conference after Lyon, it's not, it's not always a good thing to win two games 5-0, two cup finals 5-0 and go into a, another knockout match. Are they just making goalkeepers look good then? They're just taking shots at sort of Well, Jesse high. Moulin was exceptional though. I mean, so was Anthony Lopez. Yeah, yeah. We'll so, find well, out. I'd be more concerned. Um... I think we look at the way they lined up against Leon. They opted to bring in an extra midfielder. Yes, but Matt, that's another good point: is that they changed formation as well, well for the first time in a long time. Changed formation because it was a of four, the absence four, of three, three, wasn't it on Friday? Yeah. Mm. Well, then it's then the players have to adapt to that as well. Absolutely, and and you know I think we can say that certain players didn't adapt very well. Icardi was taken off quite early with a two out of ten from Lekip, barely touched the ball. Mm. Striker who thrives on crosses that, that, that won't necessarily be involved a lot in in link-up play, won't be as involved as a Cavani, and yet yeah, we, we barely saw him. And Kelty Maria, who has 
arguably been Paris Saint-Germain's best player this season. I think since the restart is a long way off that. Mm-hmm. But again, like you say, it might he might be coming good when it when it matters. PSG will hope so. But I think if we're looking at positives, I like Verratti. I thought Kimpembe generally was pretty authoritative at, um, at the back. That's important because we had Marquinhos in uh, in midfield against Leon. Um, and Neymar, although a lot of what he tried didn't come off, I thought it was great to see him so involved and he, mm. everything was going through him. He, he, and he looks very involved in PSG at the moment. On, and I think on the, the absence of Killian will, will be yeah, even more responsibility yeah. on his shoulders again. Because Robbie Lekeep, was it uh, Sunday's Lekeep? Had Killian on the front page again saying, great news, he's, his recovery's going quicker than we this expected. This is 24 hours after the front page that said, it's going to take a miracle <laughs> for Killian <laughs> to be there. Yeah. I yeah. Think it's, 24 I think, hours which was 24 hours after. Said, exactly. This is so a cup, I think but, that's uh-huh. a trend, Matt, that we're going to yeah. see. You expect him to, to be on the bench? I expect Lekeep to contradict themselves with every front page photo <laughs> saying Killian will be there then Killian faces a race against time then Killian might just make it and then well it's going to be difficult for Killian and then Killian will be on a, on et cetera, a, on a et serious note about him I just really hope as much as I want PSG to do well in this, these final Champions League games I just really hope they don't rush him back because he is still so young and there are wonderful years ahead of him for both France and PSG and wherever he may play he do, he, I, I don't want to see him Michael Owen basically him being there or not being there changes a lot though I was thinking that during the commentary you look at Leon's three central defenders Marcel Marcelo and Denaya they're not the quickest mm. Marcel's reasonably quick but I mean you put Killian in there you know they, they coped okay with Icardi Di Maria and, uh, and Neymar no one really running in behind um, Killian just changes everything you can't play high up the pitch Um mm. And I think they'll, yeah, I think he'll be a big miss against Atlanta if, if, if he's not there. Should we focus on, on the upcoming game, which is this Friday, uh, Leon playing away to Juventus? They were absolutely tremendous. It was, it was a long time ago, but Leon were tremendous in that first mm-hmm. leg um, at home against Juve. They could even have got another goal. They, they won it by one goal to nil. Did you see, Armel? Did you goal see- score has gone, though. He's not there, I don't think, anymore. Luca Tuzar. True. <laughs> the goal scorer, so yeah. For, for Leon, True, yeah, but yeah, against he's, Juventus. He's gone yeah. to Berlin. Yeah. Yeah. But so he's, he's hardly the, the, the main goal scoring threat. No. <laughs> but I saw, enough, I saw enough from Bruno Guimaraes um, to, to, yeah. to be confident that he's, mm. he's going to still be the main man who kind of transforms this Leon side because he came in, um, just to remind people, in, in, in January. Mm. Um, he's only lost one match, and that was the 5 1 Cup semi final against PSG. All the other games, Leon have won with him in the midfield. Mm apart from the nil-nil on Friday. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I think he's absolutely vital. I think mm. Awa has to improve on, on Friday's performance, but we know, we know he's got it in his locker. Dembele and, uh, and, uh, and Memphis. Memphis, the pie played his first game in seven and a half months on Friday, having recovered from uh, crucial ligament damage. Um, uh, Jeffrey and Adelaide didn't come on, but he's, he's on the bench as well. So, you know, they've got... They've got a good squad. They've got the big yeah. guns. We know Juve have got problems. I mean, Juve. Uh, Juve, they're the Italian champions for the 120th year in a row, or whatever it is. Yeah, ninth. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, is, is equally impressive. But, Robbie, do, do, do they need to go there? You said they don't need to score. Do they need to go there and just play like they did on Friday? Really solid. Do you play Memphis and Dembele in attack to have that dual threat? Do you leave one on the bench? I think you have to play Dembele because he's the goal scorer. And I think Memphis is a leader He's and cap- captain. Yeah. So I, yeah. I play both. More, more for me, I was impressed by Carl Tokoakambi on, on Friday night when he came on. He's, 
He looked fast and strong and already fit. That's an option in that in that uh, mm. type of environment in this type of match as well. But Dembele is a is a superb striker. He's quick. He's technical. He he's got instinct. He's got everything. And Depay has has the quality we know. Look, I think I don't. I think it's a bad idea to go and just try and defend. I don't think they mm. just tried to defend on Friday night, which I think is what's good about the fact that they did keep Paris scoreless mm. while not just purely sitting in front of their own penalty box. And uh, a word on Guimaraes, he was lucky not to be booked after perhaps half an hour against Paris Saint-Germain for, for many, many fouls. And I think in the end he got his booking midway through the second half. For a, but, I mean, he, could, he was a fouling you can, tell, you can tell he played well because he annoyed Robbie. <laughs> no, but I think that's excellent for a game against Juventus as well where he's going to have a very tough midfield mm. in front of him, the likes of Pjanic pulling the strings. There's Adrian Rabio. looks like he's playing again now, and he'll be up for a, for a big game. Yeah. Um, look, Juventus are, are a tough challenge, and, and I think having someone like Guimaraes there who's playing well and is prepared to foul and sacrifice, and even Marcelo, his, his, his motivation, his little niggle as well, it's going to be important, and I think it's... I think Rudy Garcia as well, we've said it before on the pod, he's a motivating coach. He gets his team ready to go to battle for him. And I think if you're leading Juventus 1-0, that's what you want in this situation. Well, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast, which is back with you for another season. Now, just, uh, just before we had our, our very brief summer break, we asked uh, you, the loyal listeners that, that we have, what you're looking forward to in uh, the 2021 season um we've had a lot of uh, a lot of feedback some some quite entertaining some quite interesting uh josh matsubara from australia says i don't like this he says robbie is his favorite panelist and i'm also a big psg fan good on you josh (laughs) (laughs) and he's also australian yeah you guys would get on well looking forward to mbappe having a ripper season probably his last in france well well, we'll see. Let's yeah. see if, if he can have a ripper season already. Um, Adam Cyrilnik, who usually gets all our competition uh, uh, <laughs> results and wins all the prizes, he can't wait to see OM in Champions League action. I think we're all excited about that as well, Adam. Ryan Vendun hopes that Leon, Marseille and Rennes will kick on without having to sell their best players. Um, James Cathy can't wait to see Lens back in the top flight. And we would definitely sure. agree with that because mm-hmm. uh, the Stad Felix Bollard, once the fans are allowed back in, is going to be absolutely rocking. Um, he's also looking forward to seeing Marseille pushing PSG. We will see. We will see. Andre Villas-Boas staying on. He's, uh, he's got his work cut out, but he, he's had a great first season. Daniel Barnett wants to see the pod's wild celebrations for Jimmy Brion's 100th league goal i think that's a great shout and That'll i think be a special pod we definitely yeah. need video mm. footage of armel the moment that jimmy scores he's, he's on 99 um i think he i think he just celebrated his 35th birthday as well jimmy I'd, I'd just like to now put it out there that i do not want every bordeaux game every weekend thank you <laughs> bordeaux, bordeaux not first up it's a it's a good game first up i wonder when jimmy's going to put us out of our misery if he's going to wait till match day 30 or something but um anyway the winner is the winner in terms so. of in terms of our favorite most entertaining out there um email that we received is from patrick herbst i was given i was given an email about how to pronounce it so patrick herbst who is uh, a Leon supporter from Poland. Now, Patrick says he wants to see OL redemption in the league after a horrible 2019-20. He 
He sees Leon winning the league after 30 to 35 matches. And he says, Janinho will be so happy. He'll decide to play the final few games of the season and he'll score around 10 goals from free kicks. He even says that Leon will win the Champions League this season by parking the bus and beating everyone on penalties. And he finishes with, I'm not even delusional. Patrick, thank you very much. And I hope the next season brings you one or two of, of, of those things. I don't think everything's going to, uh, going to come to fruition. But get in touch with us and um, we, we, we'll, we'll send you a Ligue 1 shirt, an official replica shirt of a club of your choice. Could be Leon. Saint-Étienne. Could be Saint-Étienne if you want. Special mention to Josh as well. Great email. Special mention to Josh <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. well done, Josh. Robbie's, Robbie's going to send you a thank you card. Um, listen, just to say, PSG were celebrating again in the last uh, 10 days or so, but they weren't the only club celebrating. Nice were celebrating 10 days ago after PSG won the Coupe de France, and that meant that Patrick Vieira's men are in the Europa League group stage. Now, what it meant... Leon being beaten in the Coupe de Fra- uh, Coupe de la Ligue final, PSG winning the second cup, is that Reims, the historic Stade de Reims, two times European Cup finalists, are back in European competition. They are in the Europa League. But they have to go through qualifying. I think Nice might have a qualifying round as well. Oh, uh, sorry. Think- sorry, Robbie. We'll, we'll, we'll check that. We'll check that. But we... We want to bring you sort of a, a quick wrap of what's going on, the latest news, and discuss the transfer dealings in France. There have been, there was an initial window where domestic deals could be done. Another window will be opening soon. Um, nice have been probably the busiest club. They've signed some, uh, some good players. They've brought Ronnie Lopez back to Liga, uh, a very good Portuguese player who played under Patrick Vieira when he was um, Manchester City's youth team coach because he came through at City. We saw him at Lille and at Monaco. He was at Sevilla, but he's now back with Vieira at Nice. Morgan Schneiderlin, remember him, the former Strasbourg boy who uh, had a long spell in England with Southampton, Everton, Manchester United. He's joined Nice. Hassan Kamara, the fullback uh, from Rouse, oh, Rouse. has Rake joined him. Oh, our left yeah. back of the year. The yeah. Our left back of the yeah. year, yeah. Um, Amin Guiri, who is a very highly rated young striker from Lyon, has also joined Nice. They've bought a Brazilian centre-back, Bamboo. So that is, it's very interesting. We've said in the past, Patrick Vieira, uh, it's difficult. He doesn't have the squad he would like, but he's getting the players in now, isn't he? He is. And I think it's interesting. We, we see this now and everyone thinking, my goodness, Nice, are, I think they've got seven summer signings already now and the, the window's just really, there are other clubs that are going to be looking. I think the window runs until October this year as well. So there's lots more time left. And a lot of people thinking this is interesting from Nice. But let's not forget the last window when they were bought in the last week of the transfer window when Ineos, the new owners, took over. Um, Mr. Sir Radcliffe and the, and the English money <laughs> from, from Ineos and their cycling team. Um, when they came, they barely had time to sign anyone. They brought in Dolberg very quickly. Claude Maurice. Unas. Alexis Claude Maurice. But it was like everyone Adam in Unas the space of loan. two days, wasn't it? Exactly. So Vieira was like, OK, work with me. Exactly. Now, so now I think these mm. are the players that perhaps were lined up or that deals couldn't get done across, but they always knew. I think Nice always knew because it was the, the sporting director came in in the last two days of the last Mercato. The president changed. Everything at the club changed. So this is their first real Mercato and we're seeing the fruits of it and they're working well. I'm really excited to see what Amin Guiri has got to offer because he's a real like football manager player. He's been on people's radars for four or five years now. 
with crazy stats in Leon's youth team. And we know what Leon youth teams can produce. Yeah, although although they bought Mizian Maulida, who came with a huge Absolutely. reputation from Leon, a young Absolutely. striker from Leon, and mm. he's really struggled, hasn't he? And so- the fact of the matter is, Guiri is older than Ryan Shirky, but Shirky was getting into the Leon team ahead of Guiri at the end of last season. So with a big reputation, now we assume he's going to be the starting striker, or at least alongside Dolberg. So that could be very exciting. Well, I'm excited anyway to see what's going on there. Before we sort of go in depth in analysing one or two clubs and and that and the situation, just a quick summary. So Rouse, they're going into the uh, into the Europa League uh, qualifying rounds. They've signed another Belgian defender, Thibaut Dissimet. They've had a lot of joy with uh, with their Belgian scouting. They've got a Scottish striker. We're looking forward to seeing Fraser Hornby, who's uh, joined from Everton. Big, big, strong striker by all accounts. It'll be interesting to see how he does. They've bought another Kosovan player, Valon Berisha. A midfielder, a very talented player who's been signed from uh, from Lazio. So that's interesting. They also have Arba Zanelli, who was looking brilliant last year before he got that terrible injury. So he's fit again. Two very good Kosovans, and um, yeah, of course they've you know they've kept the bulk of their players. David Guillon knows his squad very well, and it'll be interesting to see how they do. Before I bring you in, Arba, just yeah. a quick sort of uh, recap, so so our listeners can can get up to speed. Monaco are probably going to be one of, if not the busiest club. Great work in the past with uh, with Tottenham went and with Red Bull Leipzig. His first big decision was to appoint Nico Kovac as uh, as coach, the Croatian, formerly of Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayern Munich. So Robert Moreno, the Spaniard, has stood down after just a few months in charge. There's been major instability at Monaco, but Mitchell now has, I think, you know, quite a big uh, remit and is trying to lay down a long term plan. At the moment, they've just got players back like Jibril Sadibi and Nasser Chadli back uh, on loan. Subasic has been allowed to go. It seems Glick will go. Timuit Bakayoko um, has, has returned to uh, Chelsea. Benjamin Henrichs has moved back to Germany as well. I, I think there are going to be massive changes. They're being linked with some big strikers, including uh, Luka Jovic of, uh, of Real Madrid. So we're going to keep a close eye on Monaco. Lille, we know they've sold uh, Victor Ossiman to, to Napoli for... Just over 80 million euros. So expect them to be busy in the coming weeks as well. They're being closely linked with Jonathan David, um, the Canadian striker in uh, in Belgium, who's uh, been scoring goals there and is a very exciting player by all accounts. So far, they've signed Sven Botman, a very uh, highly rated young defender from Ajax. They've uh, signed Burak Yilmaz, the veteran Turkish striker, and Isaac Liadji. Uh, from Marseille. Marseille fans were very disappointed that young attacker didn't sign professional terms with them. So Liagi at uh, at Lille this season. Saint-Étienne have uh, picked up a very, very gifted young player as well, Adil Arshish, who we saw a little bit with Paris Saint-Germain, um, but he didn't sign professional terms with, with PSG. So Arshish, um, it's going to be fascinating to see how he does as Saint-Étienne's playmaker. Um, he's one of a couple of PSG youngsters who all really liked has joined Bayern Munich. Edinson Cavani and uh, Thomas Mernier have moved on. Thiago Silva will be gone um, after the Champions League. So, yeah. All to do for PSG in terms of, in terms of new recruits. Icardi has been signed on a permanent deal. That is it so far. Leon as well, they've um, made some permanent uh, transfers. Toko Ikombi, who was on loan. And Timo Kadoweri, who scored a lot of goals. Marseille have got Pat Gay. 
the uh, midfielder who was at Le Havre last season and who thought he had signed for Watford, but there were issues with that transfer. So he's signed for Marseille. OM have also brought in Leonardo Balerdi, um, an Argentine defender from Dortmund. So, I mean, they're, they're the main stories so far, I would say. Robbie. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that was a bit of a big, <laughs> a big sort of uh, breathless rap from me. PSG. One, one word on each? No, oh, PSG, okay. Rob. To, um, I guess we're, we're focusing really on the Champions League with them. Do you expect business to be done in, in the coming weeks? Will they wait until after the Champions League? I think they'll wait for sure now. All, all focus on the Champions League. Um, hopefully it will go to the 23rd of August um, for Paris Saint-Germain, for French football. Paris Saint-Germain versus Lyon in the final of the, the final eight would be fantastic for us and the pod. I think we, we all agree about that. Yep. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, and I'm not in, in you know, privy to what, what Leonardo thinks or what goes on behind the scenes at, at Paris Saint-Germain or, or any of this sort of thing, but when you think of Abdou Diallo, who signed and didn't play too much and is just coming back from back surgery now but should be fit, and he's a highly rated central defender who can also play wide. Um, you have Tilo Kerrer as well, a Germany international. You have Kimpembe and Marquinhos, they have options and they bought players that they've managed to, to keep who will be wanting more responsibility, I think, in the coming seasons. Maybe, you know, the, the idea of letting go Thiago Silva, uh, Thomas Meunier, these guys that are, are seasoned internationals and everyone thinks, but they've got to be replaced, they've got to be replaced. Well, perhaps they've already been replaced a little bit at least. I think up front they will be looking to bring in another player if Moting leaves he's out of contract he signed a two-month extension as well so for the moment they've lost Edinson Cavani we know that Mauro Accardi Pablo Sarabia is there as well but I think we can we can probably imagine that there'll be another player coming in up front elsewhere I think they they've got cover yes they will be looking for a you know a fullback possibly or a right back option they have Dagbar and, and Kerrer there as well but losing Thomas Meunier means perhaps they'll they'll need an option there but I don't think I don't think it'll be drastic. I think what Leonardo wants to do is do it slowly. If you're if you're the wrong side of 34, 33 or you know which Thiago Silva is, Edinson Cavani are these guys it's 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 going to be hard for you to re-sign and uh yeah. That's my, that's my I don't think we'll see a, a transfer revolution. I think they're trying to do it slowly so that you don't really see it and happening. And the good news is, we're, you know, we're not having the talk about Neymar and Mbappe that we've had for the last mm. couple of summers. It's mm-hmm. just it's well, take, it, taken as given that they're staying. Exactly. They're both, they've both declared that as much as well. So that's uh, whether that will keep a lid on transfer rumours, uh, I don't know. Armel, who are you uh, excited about? We, we, we talked a bit about Nice. I don't know if they're the side that you're, you're, you're most looking forward to watching this season. But in terms of what's happening, the evolutions in, in the different clubs, what are you looking forward to? In terms of what's already happened so far, yes, Nice, I think, uh, are up there as the team I'm most excited about. But we also spoke about him briefly, uh, Isaac Liadji. I'm really excited to see what he can bring to, to Lille because there was so much talk about him at Marseille. And he only, I think he only got the one league outing for a few minutes at Dijon last season. But no one's really had a chance to see him, but read so much about him, heard so much about him. Heard that it was a real battle between agent and club to try and get him to sign on. He's at Lille now, fresh start for him, part of the first team. I really, I can't wait to see what, what he's all about. And in terms of things that are yet to come, I'm excited to see what Monaco 
uh, are going to be doing because, well, we know they're a club that, that tend to spend and on a on a French league scale, they they've got the the money to be able to bring players in, and they've got a, they've got a really strange squad at the moment where if they were to get rid of Glick and City B was to leave again rather than stay, having returned from loan from Everton, the only player who's played more than a hundred games for them is Jemison. Who, and there's talk. There's talk he could go as well. There's talk he could go, and, and the next one down would be Golovin, who's you know he's yeah. 65 games for them. He's only just arrived. A, a but I do of think years I ago. do think the the page needs to be definitively turned from that 27 because they, they've they've sort of been clinging to Glick, Jemison, and Subasic. I think because mm. well, I think you, you in your intro, Matt, to, talking about Monaco, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's about stability now, and those stats mm. only only suggest that. That's the job for for Mitchell now Keep- at Monaco is. Put a coach, keep him, get the players you want because they've still got a, they've got masses of players. Not they've just got keep hundreds him. of players. They've got to keep Wissam Benyadir. They have to. But yeah. they've got they've got fantastic young players as well that they mm. spent a lot of money on from bringing them from Italy. Pellegrini. Pelle, they've yeah. got the the young kid from Rennes who's a, a, a stunning young Gerbils player. Gerbils as well. Mm. Yeah. Another young Leon attacker who yeah. hasn't who, who hasn't quite done it. I I think there are more than sixty players on their books. And Mitchell's been told he's got to get rid of about thirty. Well, I, it won't be him. It'll be his his, his team doing that. Mm. They've got a huge amount of work ahead of them. But yeah, it's kind of like I think I would like to think they're saying to Mitchell, "Here's a blank page. These, you know, you you work out which players um, we can build this team around that we already faith. have. They have who- to have faith in the long term for this. That's the that's the key to any project is is making that mix between getting short term results, but also putting something solid in place so that if something happens, if you do sell Killian, if you win the league, it's not all just going to fall in a heap. I'm, I'm more excited um, about this season than I have been for, 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 for quite a while, I would say, from previous seasons. I don't know if this is because of the long gap or, you know... It's I just, not finished yet. Well, league eye. No, no, the season yes. to come, like yeah. the new season. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's partly because of the, uh, the young talent. I mean, it's a shame, great shame that Kouassi's moved to Bayern Munich, but I do feel that... French youngsters, and Mbappe's played a role in this, but I feel that French youngsters understand more and more that they have to start their careers in France. Um, mm. And it, it's really hard for the clubs to stave off, you know, interest from Bayern, Dortmund, Man United. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. But to see someone like Adil Alshish, who was, you know, he's been one of the standout players for France at a youth level. Everybody knows his top draw. Arsenal were, were really interested. I'm sure there were a host of clubs. The fact that he's gone to Saint-Étienne, now, unless things go badly wrong, he is going to star every game. He is going to be the creative hub of that team. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, Liadji is probably going to have to fight for his place because there's, I would say, more competition at, at Lille. But it's another one that's going to be really interesting to, to, to watch. So for me, I wouldn't say I'm most excited about Saint-Étienne because they've got, they've got a lot of work to do. But again, Wesley Fofana, I think, is, is showing that he could, he could emerge yeah. as one of the best young defenders um, in Ligue 1 as well but Alshish in particular um, I'm looking forward to Robbie any, any team that, you, that you're worried about we, you know there are certain clubs I haven't mentioned like Bordeaux mm. <laughs> well, Bordeaux need to get their coach sorted out as well first yeah. and foremost don't they there's lots of talk that, that uh, Paolo Souza um, could be on his way out the Jean-Louis Gasset is just hovering in the eaves waiting for, for the announcement it seems Um it's a really strange club. They've had a very difficult time at Bordeaux as well. I mean, traditionally, they're a big club. In the, in... Sleeping giant isn't really the term because 
you don't really expect big things from them every season. You don't hope that this is the year for Bordeaux. I find them a really paradoxical club, but at the moment... Well, they're one of the big five in France, like historically. Yeah, I mean, what is it? Six six league titles, I think, for for Bordeaux. It's a, you know, they are one of the main leaders in in that as well. The American investment hasn't worked out for them. Not not so far anyway. I think they've already changed one investor to to bring in a different different firm. The supporters are not happy with the the general manager, who was a, a gentleman who came from the Olympic Committee, and before that he was at... PSG, Frederick Longuepe, it's been difficult for him. Yeah, I mean, now the, fan, the fans are at odds with the club and have been Absolutely. for a while. Yeah. But that's a, it's a terrible environment for to try and be a coach or be a player in and to, to, to get your best. And I mean, the, the fans have been, and it's two or three seasons now where there, were, there have been trouble at Bordeaux. And they've got, they've got an itsy-bitsy squad, the sort of squad that you think, all right, the basis is there, now we need to build on it. And, you know, so far, there's been... You know, how can you move for anyone in a transfer window when your coach is, doesn't know whether he's coming or going, not having a go at him? But the club needs stability in the next few months or it's going to be a very difficult start to the season. And Jimmy Brion needs his 100th goal. He does. He does. No, I mean, the, yeah, the fact that Paolo Sosa wants out or feels he needs to go is a terrible reflection on, on where the club is because, mm. he, you know, I think everybody's been really impressed with him the way he's carried himself, communicated, and, and even the mm. way he's, he, he's set up his team. So, you look, fingers crossed for Bordeaux supporters. They, uh, they can get that sorted out. I mean, we'll go in um, in more detail in, in the next couple of weeks when we have our, our Ligue 1 season preview. We're going to be back um, next Monday as well with, uh, with our sort of, I guess it'll be more of a Champions League focus, Leon will hopefully have got past Juventus. It's going to be a tense night in, in, in Turin this Friday. And uh, whatever happens, Paris Saint-Germain will be in action um, in the Champions League against, against Atalanta. So, um, look, it's, uh, it's, great. it's great to be back. Hopefully, um, you guys out there um, have been missing us and are, and are pleased to have Le Bourgeois back. We're going to have exclusive interviews uh, throughout the season. We're going to have some entertaining... Yes, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll try and bring this league into your living room with with plenty of colour. Isn't that right, Rob? Absolutely, and into my <laughs> living room as well. Is that what you meant? <laughs> Which is colourful already. <laughs> I'm right. not I'm not sure if the uh, better half has planned a new colour scheme. I think there could be something on the on new the season, horizon. New graphics, so exactly, new yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. still yeah we're still waiting for our official studio. But you know, in in the meantime, this is a brilliant a brilliant substitute. The coffee remains good. The climate's good, and, uh, and, and, and we're rambling. So let's, let's let our, our dear listeners go. Well, we'll that's what back. football's all about, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed um, commentating on Friday night and back in the pod. I feel like life is getting back to normal for me. Hopefully it is uh, for you, wherever you may be. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us from Armel Tangi, Robbie Thompson, and me, Matt Spiro. It's au revoir. Et à bientôt. Bye-bye, everyone. Oh, what a goal! And Kylian Mbappe wraps it up.